All right. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome, everyone on social media. And hey, does anybody know what today is? Today is Super Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Sunday. And uh, of course, you know, um, that's a big time for a lot of people and Super Bowl. And and that's going to be this evening, I guess. And uh, uh, but you know what? What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the real Super Sunday. The real Super Sunday. And uh, that's the greatest Super Sunday of all. That's when Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, I, I, I sometimes preach this message on Easter, but being as though it's Super Sunday today, let's preach it today. And uh, I think you can be blessed by it. What do you think? And so let's talk about the real Super Sunday on uh, Luke, the 24th chapter. Luke, the 24th chapter, first verse. Now, on the first day of the week. Now, the first day of the week is not Monday. It's what? It's Sunday, is it? All right. The first day of the week, Sunday, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the, of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men uh, stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Glory to God. And so that happened on, on a Sunday, didn't it? Happened on a Sunday. So that was the real Super Sunday. And, uh, and so uh, let us uh, talk more in depth about what happened on the real Super Sunday. Um, to, to understand that, you, you actually you, you have to go back to the cross. And we'll start with the cross and just say a few things. Um, you know, uh, Jesus, see, three days before Sunday... Did you ever notice three days before Sunday is not Friday? Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice that? See, a lot of people think Jesus died on a Friday, but he didn't. He died on a, he died on a Wednesday. Because see, that Thursday following that Wednesday was a special high day. The, the Gospel of John tells us about it was a Sabbath. Of course, it wasn't the weekly Sabbath that occurs on Saturdays. He died on a Wednesday. You know, you get into studying the Bible, it'll, it'll upend a lot of things you've been taught over the years. But study it out. Three days and three nights. We know he was dead three days and three nights. If he died on a Friday, the, the, the math does. I used to be a math teacher. The math doesn't work, you know, just doesn't work to get to to get to Sunday in three days. He died on a Wednesday. And uh, and uh, the Bible says that uh, as Jesus died, he cries out. To the Father, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. He yielded up his spirit. Uh, Jesus' spirit didn't leave his body until he yielded up. He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it up again. You remember him saying that? And so he yielded up his spirit. He breathed his last. His spirit left his body. His body hung on the cross. His body was dead because his spirit had left it. I didn't give you a scripture on that one. I've got so many scriptures. I'm just uh, if you want if you want one, I'll give you Luke twenty three forty six. If you're if you want one, I got so many scriptures in here today. If I gave you all of them, we'd be here till the Super Bowl started. And you don't want that. You don't want that, do you? 
But if you're taking notes and you want it, Luke 23, 46. I didn't give it to the projectionist, but there it is. You're welcome. I'm always glad when people want to hear, hear what scripture I'm using. That's a good thing. But uh, his spirit left his body. Now, normally, and you need to realize this, that if you attend around here, I emphasize the cross of Christ. You can't really overemphasize the cross of Christ. And everything that Jesus did upon that cross, I do that. But today, this message is not about the cross, it's about the resurrection. Now, you can't get to the resurrection without the cross. And again, I want to make it clear that I, I preach the cross of Christ and, and, and everything that Jesus did for us upon that cross. The Bible said he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. Uh, the Apostle Paul said that, that uh, he said to the Corinthians, he said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So you need to realize that I emphasize the cross of Christ. But today, this message is not about the cross. It's about the resurrection. But but I just want to make it clear that we can't overemphasize what Jesus did for us on the cross. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right. So I'm not unemphasizing the cross. I emphasize the cross. I'm just centering in on the resurrection here today. His spirit leaves his body about three o'clock in the afternoon. Because I have to set this up for you to really understand what happened on the real Super Sunday. You need to understand where Jesus, what happened to Jesus' spirit. Would you agree with me? His spirit left his body. Yes. All right. Now there's 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 been much. Uh, 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 argument in the body of Christ about what happened to Jesus' spirit after his spirit left his body. And again, to understand what really happened on Super Sunday, you need to understand where his spirit went. And much argument in the body of Christ about where did his spirit go. Do you know the Bible tells us exactly what, what where his spirit went? Tells us exactly. You'll believe the Bible, won't you? Yes. I said, will you believe the Bible? Yes. Well, first of all, now, now, uh, if you want a verse on this, I'll give you the verses, even though I didn't give it to the projectionist. Matthew 12, 40, Matthew 12, 40. Jesus said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, where did Jesus say he was going to be for three days and three nights? In the heart of the earth. Now, now you study into that. He's not talking about, about being in the tomb there. His body went in the tomb. Is that right? Joseph of Arimathea, you know, his body went into that tomb, right? But his spirit went into the heart of the earth. You, if you study into that word heart there, it means the innermost part. It does not mean the tomb. His body went in the tomb, but his spirit went into the heart of the earth. In the spirit realm, we're talking about Jesus' spirit now. We're talking in the spirit realm. In the physical realm, in the natural realm, you see his body went in that tomb. But his spirit left his body and his spirit went into the heart of the earth, earth for three days and three nights. Are you okay so far? Are you all right? All right. And then if you think about it, if you think about it, after Jesus was raised from the dead, after he was raised from the dead, do you remember Mary met him there? Mary Magdalene? And she wanted to grab a hold of him and touch him and, you know, I guess, you know, around his feet or whatever. I guess she wanted to just fall down there and worship him. And remember, he said, touch me not. For I have not yet ascended to my father. Do you remember? And, and if you want a verse on that, that's John 20, verse 17. Uh, she said, he, he, he said, I have not yet ascended. So we know that he hadn't gone up to heaven yet, had he? So he dies on the cross. His body's in the tomb. 
His spirit goes into the inner part of the earth for three days and three nights. And then after, eventually, after he's raised from the dead, he says to her, he says, I haven't been, I haven't ascended yet. So we know he hadn't gone up to heaven yet. Where was he for those three days and three nights? He was in the heart of the earth. You understand that? Are you okay? His spirit was in the heart of the earth. Body in the tomb, spirit in the heart of the earth, inner, innermost part of the earth. Now, you need to realize, go to Luke 16 with me if you would. You need to have some understanding of what the inner workings of the, the, the spiritual realm in the heart of the earth. You know there's a natural realm, there's a spiritual realm. You need to realize that. A lot of Christians aren't aware of the spirit realm as they should. You know, we ought to be more, really, we ought to be more aware of the spirit realm than we are the natural realm. You, you, you know that? You need to realize you are a spirit and, and you possess a soul and you live in that physical body. We need to realize there's two realms. There's a natural realm and there's a spiritual realm. Well, there's a spiritual realm in Luke, and in Luke 16. Let's, let's read a few verses here, starting verse 19. It'll, it, 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 Jesus himself gives us the inner workings in the spiritual realm of the heart of the earth. Now, now notice here, he said there was a certain rich man. This is Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, which laid his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, not just the beggar died, and was carried by the angels to where? To Abraham's bosom. Now notice that. The beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now this Abraham's bosom is also known as paradise. It's also known as paradise. Remember Jesus told the thief on the cross, he said, I say to you this day, you shall be with me in paradise. You remember that? That's the same as Abraham's bosom. See, in the Old Testament, when Pete, you know, how did you get saved in the Old Testament? Same way you get saved in the New Testament, by faith in the Messiah, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Abraham believed God and it was counted for him as righteousness. Is that right? He was in the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament folks, see, they got saved same way you and I get saved, by faith in the Messiah and the Lord Jesus Christ. They were looking forward. We're looking, they look forward to the cross. We look backward to the cross. You understand that? But when people in the Old Testament died, their spirits went down into this place called Abraham's bosom, also known as paradise. All right? And that's what happened to this beggar. He was evidently, no, there's no evidently about it. He was a believer. How do I know that? Because he went to Abraham's bosom, you see. And the rich man also died and was buried. Now watch this. Now his body's buried. Is that right? His body's buried. But notice in being in torments in hell, in Hades, in Hades or in hell. So now this rich man's body is up on the earth in the, in the tomb or buried him in the ground or however they buried his body. But where's his spirit? His spirit went to hell, didn't it? Didn't, it, didn't his spirit go to hell? It said right here it went to Hades or hell. Uh, New King James says Hades. Uh, King James says hell. Now, it's interesting, this word Hades, if you, if you like read literature and this, that, and the other, you know, uh, 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 and whatnot, it has to do with the underworld, has to do with the underworld, in the spiritual realm, the underworld. But in the Bible, and that's what we're interested in, in the Bible, uh, have you ever heard of Strong's Concordance? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's like a, a Bible dictionary, gives all the definitions of the Old Testament, New Testament words. Well, Strong's, this is Strong's number 86. Strong's number 86, and it's always used as the place of torment. So where did this rich man, now where is this rich man's body? This rich man's body is, 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 up, is up on the earth, but where is his spirit? His spirit went, went where? Went, went, went to hell, went to this place of torment. Now, now Lazarus, 
This beggar, his body's on the earth, all right, but his spirit went where? To Abraham's bosom or paradise. Are you with me? You okay? All right, now, now watch this here. So, so in verse 23, this, this rich man dies, his body's on the earth, buried on the earth, being in torments in Hades. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. Now he's dead, his body's dead, but he's still just as alive as he ever was, right? Over in the spirit realm. Are you okay? This is Jesus. Now, this is Jesus talking to us here. He's, this is in red letters. Jesus is saying this. He's given us the inner workings of the spiritual realm, see? And, 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 and this, this rich man here, he lifts up his eyes. He sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his, in his bosom, see? Lazarus in his bosom, also known as paradise. Verse 24, then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. See, it's a place of torment, isn't it? But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and, and, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted and you're tormented. See, one side was hell. It was a place of torment. The other side, paradise or Abraham's bosom, was, was, was a place of comfort. And by the way, the reason this rich man went to hell, it wasn't because he was rich. Notice Abraham is mentioned here. He's not in hell and he was one of the richest man, men on earth, right? Is that right? See, it, see, see Abraham had faith in the, in the Lord. The Bible says he believed God, right? And, and, but this rich man didn't. And re, remember later on, I'm not going to read down that far, but if you read on in this story, uh, 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 the rich man wanted uh, wanted uh, Lazarus to go back to the earth because he had five brothers. Remember that? Yeah. And you can read it. And, and, and Abraham said, no, they, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Remember that? So this rich man didn't hear Moses and the prophets. Now, who do Moses and the prophets preach about? They preach about Jesus, don't they? So this rich man went to hell not because he had money. He went to hell because he didn't have Jesus, you see. And I'm, con I'm confident that the money distracted him. You know, you got to watch money. It'll distract you a lot of times. Jesus said it's, it's hard for a rich man to en enter into heaven. And then he, they, they came to, into the kingdom of God and his disciples questioned him. He said, who then can be saved? And he said, no, it's hard for those who trust in riches. See, you got to be careful about money. Uh, God wants you to have money. He just doesn't want money to have you. You understand that. And, and you know how you know if money has you? If God tells you, not the pastor, but if God tells you to release it and you can't, then you know money's got you instead of you having money. But that's just a little side note here. Notice here, there's a side of comfort here and there's a side of torment. The side of torment is hell. The side of comfort is, is paradise or Abraham's bosom. Now notice here in verse 26, and besides all this, because see this rich man, he wanted just a little water to cool his tongue. And, but notice verse 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there's what? There's a great what? A great gulf fixed. So see, in the inner workings of the earth, the spiritual realm, there's one side was hell, a place of torment. The other side was paradise or Abraham's bosom, place of comfort. And between those two, there was a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from, from here to you cannot or, or those from there can't pass to us. You couldn't pass back and forth. See, the people in Abraham's bosom, no doubt, they, were, they wanted to go over and help those people in hell, but they couldn't do it. And the people in hell, they wanted to get out of there because of the, it was a torment, but they couldn't do it, see? 
They couldn't do it. They couldn't, they couldn't cross that great divide. So you understand something now about the inner workings of the earth, spiritually speaking. You understand that, don't you? And Jesus just gave it to us. So now the question is, we understand that Jesus, he was in the, his spirit was in the inner workings of the earth, but we need to know exactly where did he go? Did he go to paradise or did he go to this place of torment? Now, we understand he told the thief, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But you study into that, you see this. In the Greek, there's no punctuation. So Jesus could have said, he could have said, this very day you'll be with me in paradise. He also could have, could have meant this, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So he gave him the statement on the cross there, but it, which could indicate a future time. Do you understand that? So a lot of people don't realize that as they should. A lot of people think that Jesus promised the thief that they'd be in paradise that very day. Now, you study into it and put it together with the rest of what I'm going to tell you here. What he said is, I say to you this day, you will be with me in paradise. So we're going to see that here in just a few moments. But we need to, uh, you need to understand that Jesus, when he, his spirit left his body, we know his spirit went into the inner workings of the earth. But here's where the big argument is. Where did his spirit go? Did it go into paradise? Or did it go, did, did Jesus' spirit go into this place of torment? And, 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 and let me just show you. You'll believe the Bible, won't you? Will you believe, will you believe the Bible? You'll believe the Bible. You'll believe, well, let's go to Acts, the second chapter. Acts, the second chapter in the 26th verse. Now look at this. What we have here is we got Peter, the Apostle Peter. He's quoting David, King David, who was a prophet and a king. And, and, and David prophesied concerning what Jesus' words would be at this time. When Jesus died on the cross, his spirit left his body and all of that. And so Peter was just quoting what David prophesied about Jesus. So we're going to read the words of Jesus. Look at this. Acts 2.26. Therefore, these are the words of Jesus. Now watch this. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. He's talking about his body now in the tomb is resting in hope. In hope of what? In hope of the resurrection, you know. But notice this. Verse 27. For you... Talking to the Heavenly Father, will not leave my soul in where? In Hades. And guess what? That, in the King James, translates it hell. Strong, it's that same word. Strong's number 86, which is always used as the place of torment. What did the Bible just tell us? It just told us that Jesus' spirit went into the place of torment. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. In other words, what this is saying here is Jesus is going to be raised from the dead before his body starts to decay. That's good news, isn't it? But do you see the Bible told us right where Jesus' spirit went? Now, if you look at verse 31, let's read some more here. He, that's David in the book of Psalms, for seeing this, now watch this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. That he, now this is talking about Jesus, no question about it. That his soul was not left in where? In, in Hades. And that again is, King James translates it hell. And it's Strong's number 86, which is always used as a place of torment. Nor did his flesh see corruption. Now the Bible just told us where Jesus' spirit went. But now if that's not enough for you, let's go to Romans the 10th chapter. Let's go to Romans, the 10th chapter and the 6th verse. You'll believe the Bible, won't you? Yeah, yeah. Now notice here, but the righteousness of faith speaks on the, in this way. 
Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Now, nobody would argue with that. But now look at this next verse. Or who will descend into the abyss? Now, the King James translates it deep. But the New King James translates it the abyss. And that's the way it ought to be translated. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Well, where did Jesus' spirit go? His spirit went into the... Where? Into the abyss. Now, it's interesting, Strong, this is Strong's number 12. You ought to go study these words out for yourself. This is Strong's number 12, and it's translated, uh, uh, in Luke 8, it's translated uh, 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 abyss or deep, the deep. And, 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 and right here it's translated in the King James deep or, 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 or abyss. But actually, in the book of Revelation, this word is translated, this abyss is translated bottomless pit. Now think about that. This abyss. You see it in Luke 8, you see it right here in Romans 10, and you see it again in the book of Revelation. And, 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 and it's, it's Strong's number 12, abyss. The King James will translate it, they use the word deep, but actually it's abyss. They use deep because it's bottomless pit. In the book of Revelation, it's translated bottomless pit. It occurs several times in the book of Revelation, always translated bottomless pit. It, 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 it brings it out further in Strong's Concourse. It's an infernal region. It's the same place where the demons didn't want to go in Luke 8. Remember that legion of demons? Remember that? And they, and they said, don't cast us out into the deep or into the abyss. They didn't want to go in this place. Uh, so, so Jesus let them go into the swine. Remember that? The swine ran down. This is a bad place. The demons didn't want to go there. This is a bottomless pit. You know, this is the same place where the devil's going to be locked for a thousand years during the millennium. Do you ever think about that? Now that's where the devil's going to be locked. But, but think about such a bad place. Revelation 9, Revelation 11. You ought to read that sometime. It'll show you just how bad this place was. What am I trying to tell you? The Bible told us in Romans 10, 7. Where Jesus' spirit went. His spirit went into this terrible place. The what? The abyss. Now look at Romans 10, 7 again. Are you okay with that? See, a lot of people, they'll argue, they'll argue, oh, no, Jesus didn't go over into that place. What did the Bible just say? It, it said, uh, well, let's read verse 6 again. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will ascend, descend into the what? Into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. What did the Bible just tell us? It told us his spirit went into this bottomless pit. This abyss. Isn't that sobering? Now, it's interesting. Now, now, I didn't give this to the projectionist, but you all want the verses, so I'm glad to give them to you. Daniel 9.26 said that Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. When Jesus died on the cross, he was cut off. He was cut off from the Heavenly Father, but he wasn't cut off for himself. He was cut off for you and for me. 
It wasn't Jesus' sin that put him in this abyss. It was your sin and my sin. Jesus didn't have any sin. He never sinned. But on the cross, God the Father laid all of the punishment for sins and all of our sins upon Jesus. And when those sins were laid upon him, his, he was cut off from the life of God, not for himself, but for you and for me. And as a result, his spirit had to go into this place of torment. See, it's the same place you and I'd have to go if Jesus hadn't went there for us. Can you say amen? Glory to God. I said glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I'm not demeaning what he did on the cross. Thank God for what he did on the cross. I can preach for days on what he did on the cross. I told you I'm centering in on what? The resurrection here. And to really understand the power of the resurrection, Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. You must understand where his spirit went. You understand that? And he went there not for himself. He went there for you and for me as our substitute. Suffering what we, he suffered on that cross for us and he suffered in this place of torment. Now go to Psalm 22. Psalm 22 gives us a picture of both the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. In Psalm 22, you ought to read it sometime, 31 verses. And 21 verses, the first 21 verses have to do with the crucifixion. And you can see this, the physical realm, the spiritual realm, and all the stuff that was going on there as Jesus hung on the cross. And then in verse 22, there's a change in tone and it switches over to the resurrection. But if you look at, Rebel, uh, I'm sorry, if you look at Psalm 22, verse 1, Psalm 22, verse 1 in the Amplified Classic Bible, he, 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 he says this and he cries out. You remember Jesus crying this from the cross? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. See, Jesus went on the cross at 9 a.m. He went on the cross at 9 a.m. At noon, darkness covers the land. See, that's a type of God's judgment. See, God laid all of the, all of, of our sins upon Jesus. And when those sins came upon him, you know, darkness covers the land. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cries out and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, why did God forsake him? He was judging you and me in Christ. Do you understand that? Do you realize that? And when he makes that cry is when our sins were laid upon him. Actually, I believe our sins, from my study of it, I believe our sins were laid on him around noon because that darkness covers the land. At three o'clock, he makes that cry. But nonetheless, our sins were laid on him. And, and when our sins were laid on him, it, 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 it cut, he was doing it not for himself, but for you and me. He was cut off from the life of God. Separated for three days and three nights from the life of God. And we know that when his spirit left his body, well, I already showed you, it went into, it went into hell, didn't it? Into the place of torment, in the, the worst place of hell, the bottomless pit. But thank God his spirit wasn't left there. Can you say amen? 
in Isaiah 53.11, I didn't give this to the projectionist, but you're hungry, you're thirsty for scriptures, I got them for you, I'll give them to you. Isaiah 53.11 says, He shall see, the heavenly Father shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Yes, there was travail upon the cross, but, but I'm telling you, his soul, his spirit went into this place, the Bible tells you, into this place of torment. And after three days and three nights, the heavenly Father saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. After three days and three nights, you know, why three days and three nights? I don't know. That's what, that's what it took to satisfy the claims of a holy God. It was the just for the unjust. Jesus, the just, we're the unjust. The just for the unjust. He went there for us. He went on that cross for us. He went into hell for us. Absolutely. And, and, and he was there three days and three nights in hell. Now, now, why three days and three nights? I don't know. The only thing I can tell you, it's interesting, and, and this is a good statement. You think of man, man as being a temporal being, right? Man, you and me, temporal. Think of us as being temporal. See, we were supposed to suffer because of what Adam, did, Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. We were supposed to suffer eternally in hell, right? But Jesus, the eternal one, came and suffered there temporally. See, we are temporal. We're, we were supposed to suffer eternally. So the eternal one and came and suffered temporally. And as a result, somehow or another, that satisfied the claims of a holy God. The claims that he had against us. Jesus satisfied that. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen. And after that was satisfied, he got raised from the dead. Look at Acts Chapter 2, verse 24. We'll talk about that now. I had to say all that to get this through to you. Do you enjoy this? This is, this, this is, this is a kind of little deep teaching, little meat of the word, but thank God you need some meat. Amen. Last week I gave you a little uh, banana split. Now this week we're giving you some, 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 some meat and spinach, okay? Now look at Acts 2.24, whom God raised up. Aren't you glad that God the Father raised Jesus up from the dead? Whom God raised up, Acts 2.24. Let's just look at the first part of that verse. Whom God raised up, then we'll get to the second part. But look at whom God raised up, talking about the resurrection now. Having loosed the pains of what? The pains of death. Having loosed the pains of death. Now, now think about this. Once he died on the cross, there was no more pain. Is that right? Once somebody dies, physically, there's no more pain, is there? Is that right? Have you, have you ever been to a funeral home and you've seen a dead body in the casket? Are they in any pain? Now, you might have seen that person a few days before they died. They were in terrible pain. Now they're dead. There's no pain. Is that right? See, this couldn't be talking about physical death. This has to be talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death. See, death just means separation. Jesus was separated for you and for me. Not for himself, but for you and for me. And so you see, see, spiritual death is when your spirit is separated from the life of God. Physical death is when your spirit is separated from your body. See, that's what happened to Jesus on the cross. When he yielded up his spirit, his body died physically. Before he ever died physically, his spirit was separated from the Father. Why? Because he took our sins upon him, and when he did it, cut him off. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
So Jesus experienced that spiritual separation. Notice this again, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death. The pains of death. It couldn't be talking about physical death. Jesus' body was laying in the tomb. There was no pain there, right? No more than there's any pain in anybody you've ever seen that's laying in a casket. Is that right? This has to be talking about spiritually. And we know it's so because where was his spirit? His spirit was in the bottomless pit. Think about that. And, and, and when the claims of a holy God were met against mankind and Jesus satisfied that and paid that completely for us through his death on the cross and now this suffering in hell, now God's going to raise him up from the dead. Glory to God. And by the way, while I'm on it, let me just throw this, this in, at, in at you. The Bible says, if you want verses, I'll give you. Hebrews 2.9 says that Jesus tasted death for every, for every man, every person. That couldn't be talking about physical death because Hebrews uh, also, uh, well, Hebrews 2.9, Hebrews 2.9 says Jesus tasted death for every man. But Hebrews 9.27 says it's point, appointed unto men once to die. So you see, there's a difference here between spiritual and physical death. You understand that? Jesus tasted death for every man. That couldn't be talking about physical death because we all have to die physically, don't we? Is that right? Yes or no? Now, come on. Do we all have to die physically? Unless the rapture takes place and, and, and we're in that exempt group, you know, we all have to die physically. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. But the Bible also says, and I gave you the verses, Jesus tasted death for every man. Well, it couldn't be talking about physical death because we all have to die. Is that right? So he tasted that spiritual separation. He tasted that death. He tasted. See, we, we, we all have to die physically, but we don't all have to go to hell. Is that right? Because Jesus tasted that for us. He went there for us. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? See, and, and let me just talk, since we're already into deep stuff, you, would you like a little more deep, you know, a little, 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 little meat and spinach? You ever notice Adam in the Garden of Eden? It, 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 God said, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll not eat of it, for the, in the day eat thereof, you shall surely die. Remember him saying that to Adam? But you study that out in Hebrew, that, 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 what he really said was, in dying, you will die. There were two deaths. In dying, you shall die. That's what he told Adam. And when Adam ate of that, that forbidden fruit, you know, guess what happened? There, he died spiritually. He was cut off from the life of God. Is that right? He knew he was naked. He was cut off from the life of God. Remember that? And it took, it took long time, I guess almost a millennium, for his body to die physically. Is that right? See, so there's two deaths. There's a spiritual death where you're separated from the life of God. And then there's a physical death where your spirit's separated from your body. See, in dying, you'll die. Uh, God warned Adam about two deaths. You need to understand that. And then, and then if you want, if you want scripture, I'll give you some scripture here. You ought to read this in Isaiah 53, 9 sometime. Isaiah 53, 9 talks about Jesus and his death. Now, it says it in the English, it says death, but in the Hebrew, it talks about in Isaiah 53, 9, his deaths, plural. It's an intensive plural. Jesus died to death. He died at, just like Adam, see? Uh, Adam's the first Adam, Jesus is the last Adam, is that right? And Jesus died to death. He died, he was cut off spiritually from the life of God, and then at three o'clock in the afternoon, his, his body died, he yielded up his spirit. You see that? You understand that? 
You understand that? There's a spiritual side to it and there's a natural side to it. See, a lot of people don't understand that as, as they should. Did you know the Bible talks about a, a human being can be dead in their trespasses and sins? Have you ever read that in the Bible? Yeah. Yet they're just as alive. They're walking around, talking, but they're dead in their tre- in trespasses and sins. See, there's a spiritual aspect and a, and a natural aspect. See, somebody can be alive and they're unsaved. They've never received Jesus. They're dead in trespasses and sins. That's talking spiritually, you see. You understand that? And so when Adam ate of that tree, he died spiritually. And then eventually he died physically on that cross. See, Jesus was on the cross bearing Adam's punishment. And since we're descendants of Adam and Eve, Jesus was bearing that for us as well. And see, Jesus was cut off, as I said, I'll say it again. I said it before, say it again. He was cut off spiritually when our sins were laid upon him. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, he, he, he died physically. His spirit left his body. And now... God is gonna, gonna raise him from the dead. The Father, you see. Would you like a little, are you thirsty for a little bit more? Let me give you a little bit more on this. I can see you're hungry for more. Let me give you a little bit more. If you studied in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Now, now I wouldn't turn there now. Read it later. Make it in your notes. Read it later on the Day of Atonement. You ever heard of the Day of Atonement? That there was a high priest and there was two male goats. Now watch this. There are two male goats. One was called the sin offering. And think about Jesus and what we've been talking about on the cross. Think about this, because the Day of Atonement was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Think about this. There were two goats, Leviticus 16, two goats, two male goats. One goat was known as the sin offering, and it was slaughtered. And its blood was presented on the mercy seat. Was Jesus slaughtered on that cross? He was absolutely slaughtered. Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, said he was unrecognizable as a man. He was slaughtered. And it wasn't just because of the beatings. The beatings were terrible, but it was when, when the sins of all mankind, sickness and disease of all mankind was laid upon him. Isaiah 52 said he became unrecognizable as a man. The Amplified Classic said that he, he was an object. He became an object, object of horror. And the New Living Translation says he was almost unrecognizable as a man. Now, he was doing that not for himself. He was doing that for you and me. He never sinned. He was doing it bearing the punishment for our sin. You realize that? But there were two goats on the Day of Atonement. One goat was slaughtered. And its blood was presented on the, on the mercy seat by the high priest. The other goat was known as a scapegoat. And it was kept alive. And the high priest would lay his hands upon it, confessed the sins of the people over it, and it was sent away into the wilderness, into a desert place. Do you see Jesus on the cross, the physical side and the spiritual side in those two goats? See, Jesus was, physically he was slaughtered and he died and his blood, we'll see in a moment, was he took it to heaven himself and presented it in heaven. But on the other side of it, on the spiritual side, his spirit never ceased to exist. His spirit... Never did cease to exist. His spirit left his body just like that, uh, just like that scapegoat and he bore our sins and he went into hell into a desert place, if you will, just like that goat. See how on the day of atonement was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's a, what am I trying to tell you? There's a spiritual side to it and there's a physical side to it. S- sad to say, in most Christian circles, all you ever hear about is the physical side of, of what Jesus did. Today I'm giving you the spiritual side. You understand that? And are you thirsty for more? I mean, I just got more of this. I'll give you some more. 
If you want a verse of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, look at this. He was made to be sin for us. Now, he never committed any sins. And let me make it clear, Jesus never became a sinner. Now, somebody say amen to that. He never became a sinner. He never became a sinner. He never became a sinner. He never sinned one time. But he, he received upon him our sins. God the Father laid our sins upon him. And when he did that, he became sin. Now you study into that word in 2 Corinthians 5.21, sin, it means two things. Just like on Leviticus 16, there were two male goats. It means sin offering. Jesus became a sin offering. And he was also made sin. Both of them. He was the sin offering and he was also the scapegoat. Do you ever think about this? Jesus is known as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See, that's one side of it, right? Right? Yes? Is that right? But then Jesus himself said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That serpent's a type of sin, see? And in Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus would be made a curse for us. Is that right? Cursed it because it's written, curse everyone hangs on a tree or on a cross. See, Jesus was there as a lamb of God, the spotless, holy lamb of God, bearing the sins of the world, shedding his precious blood. But he also, at a certain time on the cross, I believe, and I personally believe, he hung there from nine until noon as the lamb of God. And then at noon, when that darkness covered the land, I believe that's when God laid the sins of all mankind upon him. And that's when I believe he was cut off. He died at three o'clock in the afternoon. But you see both sides of it there. You see the sin offering, you see the scapegoat, you see both things going on on that cross. And again, I'm going to say it, unfortunately, uh, in most churches, all you ever hear about is the natural side. And I preach the natural side. Most of the time, I just preach the natural side of it. But there's a spiritual side. And to really understand what happened on that Sunday, you've got to understand the spiritual side of things. And now look at this. Look at this here in Acts 2.24. Now look at the last part of that verse. First part said, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. But now look at the last part of that verse. Because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Death couldn't hold Jesus. It was not possible. Hell couldn't hold him. Now, do you know why hell couldn't hold him? I'll tell you why. Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 said that he knew no sin. See, the reason... See, remember... That rich man, he wanted to get out of hell and go across that great gulf over into Abraham's building. He went out of there, didn't he? Yeah. But, but he couldn't get out of there. You know why he couldn't get it out, out of there? Because he'd committed sins. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The only man that's ever lived that's never sinned is Jesus. The Son of God. He never sinned, not one time. And see, the Bible said, had the princes of this world, you want scripture, I'll give it to you. Uh, 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 1 Corinthians 2.8 said, had the princes of this world known, they'd have never crucified the Lord of glory. Had the devil known, he'd have never hung Jesus on that cross. Because see, Jesus, he hung on the cross, he went into hell, and he suffered 
But, but you see, when that three days and three nights were up and the claims of the Holy God were satisfied, guess what? Jesus could do something that no other human being could ever do. He could walk out of hell, glory to God. And the reason was, is he never committed a sin. Praise God forevermore. Now, now listen to me. The closest I think he ever came was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was struggling with keeping his will in line with the will of the Father. And I'm convinced the devil must have thought that Jesus must have committed sin there because you know the devil tried to take Jesus before that and he never could, he never could, he never could. All of a sudden now, remember they came and, and, and they took him. I, I think that was perplexing to the devil. I think the devil must have thought Jesus sinned right there and, and, and he went ahead and had him crucified but had the prince had the devil known he'd have never crucified the Lord of glory because what happened was is a holy spotless man that never sinned took on the sins of mankind went into hell and suffered and then on the third day when the claims of a holy God were satisfied because that man himself never sinned you see it was a just for the unjust he did hard time for you and me but he himself didn't deserve it and because he himself never sinned glory to God on the third day he got to walk out of there praise God no other person could do that but he could why because he was spotless and he never sinned can anybody say amen glory to God I said glory to God praise God forevermore is that exciting <laughs> praise God hey look go to Acts 13 33 look at this this is the Apostle Paul now, and he's writing by the unction of the Holy Ghost. He said, God has, God has fulfilled this for us, our, us their children, in that he was, in that he has raised up Jesus. The Heavenly Father raised up Jesus. Also, as it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. Now listen to this. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Now see, study into the, into the Greek here. Go to Strong's and study into it and you'll see this word begotten here does not mean the same thing as the word begotten does in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Remember that? In John 3.16, the word begotten there means the only one of its kind. How many of you would agree Jesus is the only one of his kind? The only one who's 100% God and 100% man. The, the, the only begotten, that means unique. Begotten means unique. The only one of his kind, John 3.16. But here in this verse, begotten doesn't mean that. You know what begotten means here? It means regenerated. To be regenerated. And he's talking about here, when God raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus was regenerated. See, he was cut off for you and for me, not for himself. So he had to be regenerated. And the Bible calls Jesus the firstborn among many brethren. Have you ever read that? Now, it couldn't be talking about physical death there, because did you know other people in the Bible had been raised from physical death before Jesus? Yes or no? In the Old Testament and New, right? Jairus' daughter, is that right? That boy in Nain, remember that? How about Lazarus? Was he raised from physical death? See, Jesus wasn't the first to be raised from physical death. He was the first to be raised from spiritual death. And here's the deal. Lazarus died again. Jairus' daughter died again. The boy in Nain died again. But Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, the Bible says no more to return to corruption. He's never going to die again. Why? Because he got that glorified body on resurrection morning. Can you say amen to that? 
Man, this is powerful, isn't it? See, Jesus is the firstborn. See, the earmark of Christianity, yes, it's a physical resurrection, but it's actually deeper than that. It's a spiritual resurrection. Jesus, what the Bible calls him again and again, the firstborn among many brothers. That's talking about spiritually. He's a firstborn. Same thing. What happens to you and me when we receive Jesus as our Savior? We get what? Born again. Glory to God. And Jesus made that available for us by what he did, see. Praise God forevermore. And then after he was raised spiritually, then of course he was raised physically into that glorified body, never to die again. You see, on the real Super Sunday, Hebrews chapter 1, if you want verses, if you're hungry for verses, read that whole chapter sometime, and you'll see the words that God the Father used to raise Jesus from the dead. They're listed for you in Hebrews, the first chapter. He declared his word and by the power of the Holy Ghost, Jesus was raised from spiritual death and then from physical death. And I'll just, I just wrote some of them down here. You can read it on your own. But here's, here's the words God used to raise Jesus from the dead. Here's the words that you'd have heard from heaven uh, 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 on that real super Sunday. He said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. I'll be to him a father and he'll be to me a son. Let all the angels of God worship him. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Glory to God. Praise God. I tell you what the underworld, I believe the whole underworld shook when God the Father made that statement. Glory to God. And notice Ephesians, the first chapter. I didn't give this to the projectionist, but if you want verses, Ephesians 1, verse 20. Look at what happened on the real Super Sunday. Listen to this. Which he, God the Father, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body. Praise God forevermore. When Jesus got raised from the dead, I tell you what, he was positioned far above all principality and power. That's talking about demonic power. Look at Colossians 2.15 if you want another verse of scripture. I, I, I get so excited when I preach this. This is the real Super Sunday. Look at Colossians. Colossians 2.15. Notice this. It says, having spoiled, uh, uh, having spoiled principalities and power. That's what happened on the real uh, Super Sunday when Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible said that he spoiled principalities and power. That word spoiled means disarmed. Uh, Jesus disarmed the devil when, when God raised him from the dead. Glory to God. And, and this word spoiled also means brought to naught. Uh, you see, brought to naught, brought to zero. See what Jesus did when he raised, uh, when, when he was raised from the dead is, is, is he, is he disarmed the devil. He stripped the devil. He spoiled the devil. He brought him to naught. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And having spoiled principalities of power. Now watch this. He made a show of them openly. He made a show of them openly. In other words, there was some kind of conquest, some kind of battle, some kind of battle went on. You know there's going to be a battle going on tonight at the, in that Super Bowl, isn't there? But it's nothing compared to the battle that went on when Jesus was raised from the dead. How many of you know the devil didn't want to give up the uh, dominion that Adam gave him? How many of you know the devil didn't want to give up the keys of death and hell? He didn't want to give all that up. You know he didn't. 
But I tell you what, there was conquest. The Bible says that, that, that he spoiled, Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, and there, he made a show of them openly, triumphing. Look, triumphing. You see, you see that, that, that's triumphing. See that triumphing? There, there was a battle that went on. The devil wasn't going to just hand over those keys. There was something. Now, I don't know. And I think preachers make a mistake when they try to try to, to, to dramatize this and make more out of it than I don't know exactly what kind of battle there was. I don't know, but I know that there was some sort of a battle and Jesus triumphed, glory to God. I said Jesus triumphed. I said he tried he made a show of them openly. He he brought the devil and his cohorts. He spoiled them, praise God. He brought them to naught. He disarmed them. Glory to God. Triumphing over them in it. In what? In his redemptive work. In what he did on the cross. In what he did in his burial. And what he did in his resurrection. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And then on the real Super Sunday, if you want another verse of scripture, Revelation 1.18, he said, he, notice this, he said this, this to John on the Isle of Patmos. He on the Isle of Patmos. He said, "I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death." Glory to God. Well, how did he get him? He had to go down there. He went. We know how he got him. He went down in there. He suffered, and then praise God, he was raised from the dead. He spoiled the devil, and he took the keys of hell and of death from him. Praise God forevermore. And that, by the way, if you're taking notes, hell there, Hades, hell, it's Strong's number 86. He conquered that place he suffered in. Can you say amen? amen. That's a good word I just said right there. Good phrase. He conquered the place he suffered in. Praise God. Now, I'm almost finished, but can you take a little more of this? You don't got nothing else to do. It's seven degrees out there. And the Super Bowl don't start for another six hours or whatever it is. So let me finish. I got one page, about a page and a half of notes. Here, let me finish this up. Back to Psalm 22. First half of that chapter has to do with the, 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 the crucifixion. And the second half, or the last part of it, has to do with the resurrection. And you can read that. Uh, verse 22 there says, I'll declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I'll praise you. My, my praise, verse 25, my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. See, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he passed from the place of suffering. He, he did something nobody else ever did. He, he, he went across that great gulf. You need to realize they could see from one side to the other. You remember that? We saw that with Lazarus and Abraham, remember? They could see from one side to the other. You know, you have to understand that when Jesus was, was, was triumphing over the devil, over there in paradise, they could look across and see. What a sight that must have been. What a sight that must have been. And there's no question in my mind, Jesus crossed that gulf that no one else could ever cross. He crossed, he took the keys of hell and of death. He must have crossed, went across that gulf. And he could do it because he never sinned himself. And he went over into Abraham's bosom and the Bible just told us they had a praise service there. And now Jesus is with the thief. Now he's with that, you remember that thief on the cross? He Now he's there. You know how easy it is to get saved? Right on your deathbed, if you really mean it from your heart. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that quick, that thief got saved. Isn't that wonderful? 
And now Jesus made good on his word. Now he's with him in paradise. They're having a praise service. And look in the Amplified Bible. Now watch this. I know this is a little long, but I want to finish it. Look at this. Psalm 2231, Amplified Classic. Now remember, it started. this psalm started out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And look how it ends up. They shall come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. That he has done it. That it is what? It is, it is what? It is finished. That it is finished. Did Jesus say that from the cross? He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And at the end there, it is finished. He was quoting the 22nd Psalm. You see, it is finished is properly sequenced after the resurrection. Now you can preach great messages of what Jesus finished on the cross. And I could preach for days on what he finished on the cross. But you also need to realize that this it is finished can also be and should really actually, it's, uh, the way it's actually sequenced, you get my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then you get all the crucifixion and then you get the resurrection and, and the praise service and the resurrection and all of that. And then it is finished. You see, it is finished means mission accomplished. Jesus accomplished his mission. It also means paid in full. See, we owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. And, and he paid it with his holy, precious blood. Amen. Did you know that it is finished also means a splitting in time? One period ending, another period beginning. Tonight, after 30 minutes, guess what? There's going to be the first half is going to conclude. And then the second half is going to begin. Is that right? Well, I tell you what, something greater happened way back on a Super Sunday. There was a splitting of time between AD, BC and AD. Is that right? Praise God. It is finished. I tell you what, this stuff excites me. And so Jesus was raised from the dead. It was finished. He was raised from the dead. The Bible said that he led captivity captive. And, and, and guess what that means? He took all the spirits of those people who were in paradise when Jesus was raised from the dead. All those Old Testament saints. The Bible says he led them up to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? And now when a saint dies, we don't go down there. Guess what? We get to go up into heaven. Isn't that wonderful? We got a better deal than the Old Testament saints. Isn't that wonderful? Even though they had a place of comfort, we're going to have heaven itself. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God forevermore. See, hell, hell is still up and running. It's still, you die now, you go down into hell. You die without Jesus, you go down into hell. It's still there. It's still up and running. But paradise has been shut down. Jesus moved that place. He moved it up to heaven. Can you say amen? amen. And now when a Christian dies, we don't go down. We go up. Praise God. Because of what Jesus did. Praise God forevermore. And then as I close, Matthew 28, notice this. Verse 2, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. This is at the tomb now, where the guards are guarding the body of Jesus. Now he's been raised from spiritual separation, but he also got raised physically. And look at verse 3. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. Now a lot of people, a lot of people think this was the angel and it may have been the angel. But, but, but... You typically don't see angels described like this. Uh, I believe this is describing Jesus. They carried his body in there dead, but his body's going to walk out alive. See, his spirit was raised from spiritual death. He came up into that tomb and his spirit hit his body. It glorified his body. The angel rolled away the stone and somebody came walking out of that tomb. His name's Jesus. Glory to God. 
And the Bible says, I believe this talk about Jesus. His countenance was like lightning. A lot of people think it's the angel. I, I think it's Jesus. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Think about that. Jesus walked out of that tomb. Glory to God. That's what happened on the real Super Sunday. And verse 18 says, Jesus came and spoke to them later on. He said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Isn't that wonderful? And then in Hebrews 9, 12. See, a lot of people don't know what I'm about to, to, to tell you now. Remember, Mary came to him. We already mentioned it. One touch him. He said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended. Remember that? And look at Hebrews 9, 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, like on the Day of Atonement down here on the earth, but not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. He entered the most holy place in heaven once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. See, a lot of people don't realize that after Jesus was raised from the dead with that glorified body, He went back up into heaven, into the heavenly holy of holies, praise God. And He went in there with His own blood, the book of Hebrews tells us. He went in there with His own blood and He presented His own blood on the heavenly mercy seat. And when He did, eternal redemption was sealed forever. Can you say amen? amen. And did you know... That on the Day of Atonement down here on the earth, whenever that Day of Atonement was annually, do you know what, what, what the priest, the high priest would say when, he, when that blood was poured on that, that mercy seat? Guess what he'd say? He'd say, it is finished. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And so Jesus, when he presented that blood, it was finished. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. And the real Super Bowl was over. And Jesus won. I said Jesus won. I said Jesus won. Je Listen to this. Jesus through his virgin birth, sinless life, his spiritual and physical death, his precious shed blood, his burial, his resurrection, both spiritually, physically. He purchased our eternal salvation, our victory over death, hell and the grave. He also obtained our physical healing, mental soundness, right to provision and authority over the devil and demons. Isn't that wonderful? And then the last scripture and then... I'll be finished. Look at Matthew 27. Do you realize that whenever a team wins a Super Bowl, do you realize what happens in their hometown the next day or a couple days after? Guess what? There's a what? There's a parade. I don't know about with the COVID going on, but there's a parade, isn't there? Did you know they had a parade on a real Super Sunday? Did you know that? A lot of people don't know. Let's read the Bible. Matthew 27, verse 52. Watch this. Jesus is raised from the dead. He gets his physical uh, body. He's glorified. He comes out of the tomb. But watch this. A lot of people don't know this. You ought to read the Bible. Watch it. Matthew 27, 52. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep or who had already died. Old Testament saints who had already died were raised. Think about that. Now think about that. Now think about that. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection. See, Jesus needed to be raised from the dead before this could happen. But they came out of the graves after his resurrection and they went into the holy city. That's a parade, isn't it? I said, that's a parade, isn't it? I said, that's a parade. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. That word appeared means to shine forth or give testimony. See, they had a parade. Jesus was raised from the dead. He won the real Super Bowl on the real Super Sunday, so to speak. You know what I mean? And they had a parade. There were some of these Old Testament saints got raised from the dead. They, and they, glory to God, they went in there. And they, they went into Jerusalem, had a parade. And they, they shined forth and they gave testimony. You know, somebody asked me one time, they said, uh, Pastor Terry, what do you think their testimony was? 
well, you know, it's pretty simple. You could see from where they were in Abraham's bosom, you could see over into hell. They just saw Jesus whip the tar out of the devil, praise God. They just saw him get raised from the dead. They just saw him do something nobody ever did, walk across that great gulf. I think they had quite a testimony, don't you? And they went in there and they had a parade into Jerusalem. They had a parade and they, they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Well, stand with me if you would. I tell you what, there's enough in this message today to make a Baptist shout. There's enough in this message. You just took half of this message. There's enough in there to get the Baptists raising their hands and running around the room. Praise me. Now, I can say that because I was a Baptist. I was raised in the Baptist church. Got baptized with the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues, you know, but... Thank God for the Baptists. Amen. I still, I still kind of am one at heart. Hey, if you're out there today on social media, I want to tell you, Jesus went to the cross and he went to hell so you don't have to. The dumbest thing anybody ever did is go to hell. Because <laughs> you don't have to. Jesus went to the cross. He went to hell for you. And all you have to do is repent of your sins and with a believing heart, call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, come into my heart. And just that quick, he'll come in, he'll change your life, you'll get born again, and you'll never have to go to hell. See, if you reject him, or if you neglect to receive him, then you don't get to take advantage of what he did for you, and when you die, then you've got to go to hell. But he went there for you, so you don't have to. So you repent, say, Jesus, come into my heart. And I tell you what, he'll come in, you'll miss hell, because he went there for you, you'll make heaven, and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Glory to God. So call on his name. Hey, God bless you. Bye-bye.